everyone. Welcome to the Charvak Podcast. This is your host Kushal Mehra. All right, my guest today is Priyanka Gandhi Modi, and we're going to be talking about her book, A Nation to Protect: Leading India Through the COVID Crisis. Priyam, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you, Kushal. Thanks, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. I'm sorry, I got your name wrong in the beginning because I got confused with the names. It's, it's my mistake. <laughs> yes, yeah. So. I was like Priyanka Priyam. Uh, it's okay. Sometimes uh, these things happen. All right, Priyam. So let's begin like this because this is yeah. your first time on the Charvak podcast. Uh, I always request my guests when they come for the first time to tell a little bit about themselves. So that would be my first question. So can you please tell everybody a little bit about you, about your journey? Sure. So, um, so Kushal, I'm a political communications professional. I've been doing this for a very long time. For a few years, I, um, you know, I was working in this space in the United States, uh, particularly in Florida, and then I moved back to India. And uh, there was nothing else. I, I don't know how to do anything else. This is all I know how to do. So I had to find my way in India to do this. Um, and you know, one thing led to the other. Um, I write books because there are, you know, there is so much information overload about certain things that I feel compelled and like I feel like a calling that needs to be brought out. So this book is part of that. It's my third book and um, uh, the India story about how India managed the pandemic had to be told from an objective perspective. Okay, so so let's now get into this. So you've obviously written a couple of books uh, before this too. Now, why this book? Why did you pick this topic? Because uh, I don't know how to say this, but uh covid is uh, uh is one of those things that has been the most uh, <laughs> covered subject of our life in the last 3 years so so why were you like uh no i have to write a book about this so despite it being so wide, widely covered it still doesn't the coverage was still not getting into the root of why india outperformed expectations um there, it wasn't by chance. It was because of meticulous planning and how that planning happened from a micro to a, a macro level needed to be covered. I had, you know, I had to look into uh, how the country, you know, how, how the prime minister led the country through such a big once in a century pandemic. No Indian, uh, you know, prime minister has, has had to face uh, such a crisis. In the in, when being in office, so I needed to get that view, and I needed to get view from the people who, you know, who were making those policy decisions for the rest of the country. So that's why I wrote the book. All right. So so obviously I've read the book, uh, and it is uh, very well written and meticulously researched. I I even did the the hard yards of checking out your references too so <laughs> so so yeah it's a, i mean if you read a book you got to check the references yeah, you do, i don't you know do. how else to say you, you got to anybody who reads books and who does a serious job yeah. will know the bibliography matters the most so i did go and check them but okay so obviously you mentioned in the book that you did get to interview the prime minister of india about uh, uh, you know to get so 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 my first question is this how was it to meet the big guy and what was his mind like? So how was the prime minister? <laughs> like you and me. So uh, before I went into the meeting, I had all these 
perceptions that he's going to be you know i'm going to be overwhelmed and he's not going to let me speak and um you know he's just going to say what he wanted to say and then um, i would just walk out or something um and that that perception was in my mind because of what i had read about him in the media and because of how people talk about him you know uh, however all of those perceptions were very quickly shattered as soon as i um, you know entered his office at uh, 7 lkm he's like you and me we were able to have a very open ended conversation um, you know he was able to um, very articulately uh, you know speak about our strengths our vulnerabilities even that is very very important and we also had a conversation about things which were more philosophical in nature so um that i think i i consider a privilege to be able to have had that kind of conversation with a you know with a, with a man like our prime minister awesome all right now priyam i want to start here although this is not the the first chapter of your book but i feel that you know i think we need to spend some time talking about this now let's divide this into two parts uh, yeah. what i'm trying to say is the coverage of the covid handling in india now there is the regional coverage yeah and there are sections inside the regional media that have covered it and even inside the regional media we can maybe divide it into the regional languages media and the english language media and yeah. then there is the international media uh, which was covering the way we handled uh, you you know uh, the covid pandemic now in that there are various topics like what happened with the masks what happened with the ppe uh, and lo and behold uh, which we are going to have a detailed discussion because that that is something where even i have contributed to the narrative about the death numbers right yeah. so so let's start with this so now i want you to give us a, a look at how was because you know what we have short memories priyam we tend to forget what yes. the media was doing because ab kya hota hai mein wave aati hai humko yaad rehta hai then the wave is gone now we're like okay life is back to normal who cares you yeah. know the media narrative is like this right the media is like yeah. i always give this analogy of the barking dog the car keeps yeah. changing wo bhonkta rehta hai nayi gaadi aa jati hai to the news cycle is like that car right it changes bas wo bhonkne ka kaam continuous karna hota hai i don't know how else to put it but that's how literally the media functions these days yeah. so yeah. so let's talk about it so how did you see when you were researching the book <coughs> as a researcher looking at it from an outsider's perspective just reading the news and feeling it so how did you feel the narrative was so so i think the narrative again first of all i want to say that most of our media still exists in a very very colonial mindset we are not out of it yet we still underestimate our own abilities we underestimate our country regardless of the leadership we underestimate the people of our country you know we don't we, we just don't take ourselves seriously and that was sort of like an overarching theme that i saw in not just national regional media but also in the international media that that if we had given ourselves more credit for some of the things that went right um we would have been at a better place you know so that's that's my that's my immediate takeaway when i was doing the research um and reading lots and lots of media articles like i don't see i didn't see i mean especially in the international media i barely saw anything 
that said that hey look this is what india has done how wonderful how how fabulous they've managed to save more of their people than any of our countries have um how did they do that let's take a look and the surprising thing is that the most um hurtful and the most uh, damaging narratives are coming from indian journalists who have been employed as consultants in these western media outlets they are sitting in india but over these years they had nothing nice to say about our country nothing which surprises me that how can you not like anything about us so so of all the things because there was uh, as they say a lot of shit being peddled during the covid crisis so 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 let's give give us the top 3 <laughs> so um i think i think one very very um uh, damaging thing was how the migrants crisis was politicized mm-hmm. and i definitely think that political parties had a role to play in you know catalyzing that fire that the media ignited you know so that's that's one uh the second about how the delta wave how india failed in you know to protect its people during the delta wave just weeks after that when the delta wave started hitting other countries they were in a worse uh, you know they were in worse situations than we were despite being warned despite knowing how the, how a new variant like delta spreads in society we were caught off guard because the variant um you know the variant uh, uh, started here right started in india it took it took form in india so unless it spread in our population we didn't know how the variant was going to be what was going to be the fatality you know etc transmissibility and that's true for all variants but um, just the you know the noise that india has failed to manage the pandemic because look it's not able to protect its people against um the delta wave is the second thing and the third thing is um discrediting our vaccines but i i want to talk about this particular incident that you mention i think it's page 91 where you talk about <laughs> rajiv sardesai so you you and i'm reading it like you say india today is news anchor rajiv sardesai a state minister for uh, i think it was that right uh, you you talk about where uh, it, it was this the electricity blackout yeah yeah it was uh, yeah, i mean yeah. the prime minister announced that uh, you know diya jalaiye you know torch lagaiye sort of a thing because we had been about um 10 or 15 days into lockdown and you know to keep sort of the spirits high to show that there is a there's light at the end of the tunnel you know to get to kind of collectively bring together people um you know he announced that let's do this let's do this for our frontline workers so and so on and so forth and mr sardesai said well you know the, the grid is going to fail and something of that sort and this is one of the many many false tweets that he kept putting up all through the pandemic like how can an electricity a national how can we have a national electricity problem like at night every night everybody in india turns off lights in their houses and goes to sleep we don't have a grid problem then so how are we going to have a grid problem if we're going to do it slightly a few hours earlier than say midnight when everybody does it anyway yeah i i just uh, some <laughs> it's just the way the media handled the pandemic not just in india I mean, it's just there was this 
power outage thingy. Then I remember something to do with the PPEs were there. Oh, look at this. The PPE kits are not available. Everything is yep. not there. This is not there. That is not there. And uh, then, then I remember when it came to the vaccines, right? First, the vaccines are not good. Then yeah. the vaccines were out. Apparently, yeah. then why aren't the vaccines being given? Okay, yeah. then the vaccines were given to the elderly. Why are they only being given to the elderly? Why not to the young people? Then, oh, the young people are given. Why are children not getting the vaccine? <laughs> it was yeah, actually... and why are you not letting us buy them? Let us buy them directly. Like, stop negotiating on our behalf. That's what some of the states also said at that point. Oh, yeah. And the, oh, yeah, yeah. The, the, the newfound love for Pfizer. That was hilarious, by the way. So, yeah, yeah let's let's talk about that. So, yeah, yeah. Let's yeah, get into it. What is this? What's with yeah, so, Pfizer and Indian media? It's an obsession, uh, Kushal, really. I mean, I don't have any other word for it, but it is an obsession. Now, let me tell you what Pfizer was offering us. Pfizer said, we will give you five crore vaccine doses in 2021. Only five crore. And they will not give us a time frame in which those vaccines will... They could, they could you know, go over that 2021 timeline and in the clause in the contract there's nothing we can do about it we cannot stop payment to them we have to accept those doses whenever they decide to give it to us that's one number two like i told you five crore vaccine doses number three against those five crore vaccine doses they wanted sovereign immunity waiver what does that mean they wanted us to mortgage some of our sovereign properties out which are out of our country it could be anything it could be our planes it could be our computers at an embassy in dc it could be anything it could be our you know buildings that india owns elsewhere and they could just walk in and say that okay we're going to take this you know and any country not just india for any country this is a security problem okay now what else did they want um that, that they did with several countries that, you know, if there are any effective treatments, if you found a cure for COVID, you either don't use it, you still take their vaccines, you still pay them in full, and they were asking for about 15 to $20. So all those crores and crores of money would have to go abroad for us to get those five crore vaccines. And do you remember we vaccinated about two crore people one, one of these days? Um, you know, when mm -hmm. in the middle of our vaccine drive. So our capability yeah. to vaccinate was, you know, administering two, two and a half crore vaccine doses per day. What are we going to do with five crore vaccine doses? Like, why would we let an international company, big pharma company, bully us like this? And they've not been unreasonable in other products that they um, have available in the Indian market. It was only about, in fact, we even told them, okay, we will make your vaccine. Let's do a technology transfer. We'll pay you for the technology transfer. Let let the vaccines be made in India. They said, no, 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 no. That we'll we'll have that discussion after the pandemic phase of this uh, COVID is over. So when the supply, you know, when our demand reduces, that's when we'll have this conversation. When in fact they already had that kind of model going on with a company in China, um, Fosin Pharmaceuticals. So, you know, so I don't understand what this obsession with uh, Pfizer was, anyway. On the migrants bit, 
you know what bothered me the most i look i i i'll say one thing i think uh, although i may have many multiple ideological differences with barkha dat i think barkha uh, did a decent job in covering the crisis of the migrants but uh, as far as the migrant crisis is also concerned right what disturbed me the most and we'll get to the international media later yeah. on but let, let's still focus on the on the domestic media yeah look i get i don't know how to say this yeah i accept the orientalism of the west i get yeah. it i get it but when our own people when our own media just out of the spite for narendra modi yeah starts and in many cases i think the media added to the panic which led now i'll give you my personal experience right when the first wave hit and the migrant crisis came i was an active entrepreneur my factory was running and then one fine day suddenly my factory shuts down then we had this huge lockdown and i was not able to move out of my my house because the police would just not let us go eventually somehow i managed to take permissions and go to the factory you know create some you know rasta for my workers to have food all the time and mm-hmm. you know pay them and whatever but then they were like you know we want to leave i would go on telling my workers that are bhaiya tum mat jao you know you don't leave abhi samay sahi nahi hai tumko jana nahi chahiye aise they would not say take no for an answer they, they were like saab humko jana hai hum jayenge humko yahan pe nahi rukna hai and um and then what happened was i clearly remember how they went and then i asked one of my workers and a few of them i was like tum log jane ka bolte hai sahab dekho whatsapp mein ye media wala aise sab bata raha hai ye ho raha hai wo ho raha hai humko yahan nahi rukna hai and that's when it struck me i was like the kind of panic the domestic media was creating and here i would say it has nothing to do with the language the regional media was equally guilty and culpable in creating the panic for them covid was just like a clickbait and they yeah. were creating this panic so so do you think if the media would have behaved responsibly in your assessment obviously this is a uh, uh, we cannot scientifically prove this but uh, do you think maybe the migrant panic would have been far lesser than Oh yeah for sure i mean see it was very very important to keep the migrants in the cities where there was some amount of healthcare um and the ability to handle a new disease like covid-19 at that point there was no awareness of the of the disease about how the virus is spreading how um, you know hospitals or doctors should manage these patients coming in um there was no awareness in rural and semi rural areas so it was very 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 crucial that the migrants stay where they are for a f- for a few weeks until our government was able to ramp up rural infrastructure and penetrate some amount of awareness in rural and semi urban areas now with people like barkha and you know her tribe just because they set out in an ertiga and followed the migrants everywhere that doesn't you know mean that they did not ex- exploit a humanitarian crisis they did we were in the middle of a wave of a new new pandemic that the world has seen after 100 years you cannot expect everything to be kushal mangal you know you are going to find you are going to find disturbed lives everywhere everywhere at all levels in all levels of society rich poor um you know very poor middle class everybody everybody's each and every human being's life was impacted 
you know so what also added to the migrants panic was seeing all these images that their fellow migrants are leaving so then maybe they are doing something wrong by staying you know so it added to that they're saying ye log bhi ja rahe to humko bhi jana chahiye you know so it added to that even mr rahul gandhi he contributed to uh, you know to instigating that uh, you know that panic and that anxiety in this very vulnerable population a lot of political parties in the media came out and said why wasn't there a warning why didn't why did you announce the lockdown suddenly you should have announced it uh, you know and given a few days for people to leave let me tell you about that also most states had gone into lockdown by the time the national lockdown was announced most states had gone into lockdown right so it wasn't uh, surprise surprise everybody stay at home everybody was already staying at home businesses had already shut down so that narrative doesn't work you know um so so yeah so it's you know despite despite making the food available it was eventually that humanitarian need to go to your hometown because you see because it was a new disease people thought that if they contracted they're going to die and everybody wants to die at home that is the core of the problem so the migrants went back because they wanted to be in the comfort of their homes with their families you remember uh, we can only talk about our city you remember wo bandra station pe kya tamasha hua tha yaad hai ha aapko ye yaad hai ki log aise bag ke bina aise crowds mein they were walking to bandra station do you remember before that incident at every nook and corner the mumbai police was doing an incredible job in enforcing the lockdown so how Absolutely. come so how come they didn't they did not get this uh, intelligence and how come they didn't stop these people and they let them collect at bandra station shouldn't they have stopped them 100 meters outside uh, from their homes and said go back abhi wapas jaiye like all of us got stopped when we stepped out of our homes so they didn't do that why was there a message was there some sort of rumor that was being spread that was motivated politically so what is it we should get into the crux of these things why were people there at the bandra station without any suitcases if the if a train was scheduled to leave so there are yeah. many questions unanswered you know with that uh, incident and it didn't happen once it happened a bunch of times like two or three times couple of times yeah i think it was a couple of times this whole bandra station shenanigan happened and yeah i don't know i mean it's just it's just crazy now now let's yeah. get into the international yeah. media uh, yeah. you know, someone, like, hold on please yeah go on so go on, go on. all right so yeah. now you've lived outside india i've lived outside india never in my whole life have i ever ever yeah. seen such garbage being written about india yeah. and yeah. and our coverage of yeah. uh, you know the covid crisis as i right. did in this entire um, i don't know entire covid crisis yeah. in in the international media i don't know yeah. where do we start i mean do we start from the new york times or do we look at the washington post or do we yeah. look at some bbc coverage uh, uh, of uh, our crisis management in uh, yeah so forget about you as a book author yeah i want to talk to you as an indian yeah. how did you feel when you when you read that and you know what annoyed me the most it was indian people writing for foreign publications yes. and spewing yes. garbage of the highest order so so what yes. did you what what was what was 
if i was to say what was the single most differentiating factor between indian media and international media for you that uh, international media stayed loyal to their countries and indian media did not hmm. <laughs> yeah but, but what do you do make do you remember that funeral pyre photo shot that was also yes. taken by an indian sold to an international media company yes. for money yes um yes the death porn as i i i called it i remember clearly at that time i was really pissed off and they were basically yes. this is you know they, uh, you know i dared them to do this with the morgues getting full in italy i dared yeah. them to do this with the morgues being full in new york city yeah they would yeah. not do that they yeah. know better they know better they know better and they wouldn't even in india do you think only hindu people died no all communities people of all communities Absolutely. died so why was why weren't photos taken in say a kabristan why weren't you know they should have taken videos of you know digging 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 going on then why why didn't they do it yeah they could you have know? taken a satellite shot of all the kabras being khodawa and you know yeah. created yeah. some death pawn out of that too but they won't it, it was for the first time in my life i i i i developed a genuine dislike uh, for them but that that was one part of it but now let's get into the other part no, which is even, oh. even here right like so some of them even sat there outside our crematoriums and they filmed bodies being cremated they interviewed people who you know who were providing say wood for the pyres and all of that so i'm you know i i genuinely still you know this question remains unanswered that number one why weren't these interviews taking place in congress ruled states or any opposition ruled states and second why weren't these interviews and this live coverage of uh, cremations happening in in burial grounds of other religions you know so th- these questions just remain unanswered even today yeah that that's true nobody knows why why it was not there i mean i remember one more thing oh dead bodies in the ganga by the way people should realize yeah. in india this has been an old issue which yeah. has been is it has been a continuous issue i'm not yeah. defending the 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 thing that had happened but i'm just trying to say that kal paida hue the kya did you not know this has happened before too in india yeah but so now you remember that tweet right by gargi rawat in 2017 i think uh, so she tweeted a bunch of pictures of bodies in the ganga in 2017 or 2015 i think and she said what is happening here you know so she captioned those pictures with that and uh, there was no pandemic then there were still some bodies in the ganga why because jal samadhi is a is a legitimate ritual in those communities who live on the banks of the ganga especially and what i've been given to understand is that especially if you're an unmarried person who has died um you know you will you will uh, the family will cremate you this way they will immerse your body in the ganga as jal samadhi because eventually uh, hinduism begin, believes in returning your you know your physical body to the elements right to the elements of nature so this is this this is part of that all right but the crux of the issue for me when it came to the international coverage again there are quite a few papers yeah. that have come out on this issue too 
was this whole thing about the deaths in india right yeah. so there are two real papers that i've covered i mean there are six or seven that i've read till now believe me my head is spinning now but the, the most cited ones are obviously one was arvind subramanian et al and the other was uh, again my name bhul gaya you had reminded me of the name also chinmay uh, tumbe chinmay tumbe's paper now tumbe's paper i have to say was uh, not that bad i think tumbe's paper has to be taken into consideration but uh, i mean in my own view i'll be very honest and when i had written my analyses on uh, on uh, print and my own website when i had taken the death estimate i was like uh, first of all uh, the the undercounting of deaths if there is one is nothing new it would have been an international phenomenon and it has happened across the world Yeah. but uh, it, it was made out to be by the international media and again indians writing in the international media was as yeah. if it was unique to india and you know yeah. wondrously when they did the state wise distribution this is where i find it fascinating again up and bihar have the highest number of unreported deaths and everywhere else you don't find any unreported deaths like odisha yeah. doesn't find it huh? odisha doesn't yeah. Yeah, but like you so, see, their even their paper it says that the deaths could be anywhere from say some six six times to sixty times higher than it reported. was two x to sixty x. Yeah, there's two x to sixty. Like, what kind of figures are these? And I mean, having you know, having studied and written a few academic papers in my life, I know that this is not how you can you know present <laughs> present a scientific paper. you know so you if you don't have numbers if your study has not given you exact numbers then how can you call it a successful study yeah but they did and and uh, and, uh, and uh, if you remember did you remember that bit about the whole the crematoriums are full because there are so many deaths happening and the crematoriums are full and and this is the thing that i found the most weird because i know this for a fact in mumbai so okay i stay in a suburb in mumbai right so in our suburb we were clearly given instructions over here by the brian mumbai municipal corporation bmc ne kaha tha ki aapke area mein char samajh lo crematoriums hain char mein se do mein hi covid ke honge kyunki baki ke do mein protocols follow nahi ho sakte and usme dusra kya ho gaya tha ki let's say aapne pehle apni capacity ko 50% kar diya उसमें आप सारी बॉडीज यहाँ भेज रहे हो दूसरा क्रेमेटोरियम 24 घंटा नहीं चल रहे थे उनको 24 घंटा चलाना पड़ा अब उसमें भी पीपल डोंट रियलाइज देर इज अ कल्चरल प्रॉब्लम इन आवर सोसाइटी दैट वी हैव कास्टिज्म वेदर वी लाइक इट और नॉट सो ओनली सर्टेन कास्ट वर्क inside the क्रेमेटोरियम बिकॉज ऑफ अ सोसाइटल प्रॉब्लम आई एम नॉट ब्लेमिंग द गवर्नमेंट इयर इट इज सोसाइटल प्रॉब्लम उसमें आप एक ही इंसान से 24 घंटे काम करवाओगे वो भी प्रॉब्लम हो रही थी उसके बाद आपने हाफ कर दिया ऑन सडनली कोविड में आपने अगर ये कर दिया है सो द नैरेटिव बीइंग स्पन वाज दैट ऐसा हो रहा है दूसरा इज वेरी फनी आई रिसेंटली शेयर्ड डेटा अ वाइल अगो अ फ्यू मंथ्स अगो वेयर केरला डेथ्स प्री कोविड केरला डेथ्स आर गेटिंग एडेड राइट नाउ सो व्हाट वाज द कंट्रोवर्सी देयर इनफैक्ट आई हैव ऑलवेज मेंटेन दैट केरला एंड आई एक्सेप्ट इन मुंबई काउंटिंग ऑफ डेथ्स विल बी फार बेटर देन यूपी एंड बिहार आई एम नॉट इवन गोइंग टू डिनाई दैट नेचुरली मुंबई इज अ मच बेटर ऑर्गेनाइज्ड सिटी देन यूपी एंड बिहार बट टू से बिहार में और यूपी में 60x है तो मतलब वायरस थोड़ा ना चेंज हो जाता है भैया व्हाई डोंट व्हाई कांट दीस पीपल लुक एट मैट्रिसेस लाइक यू नो महाराष्ट्र एवरेज एज इज हायर देन यूपी यूपी इज अ मच यंगर स्टेट एंड वी ऑल नो कोविड किल्स द एल्डरली फार मोर देन द यंग 
मल्टीपल फैक्टर्स ना समबडी कैन से मगर यूपी में सत्ताईस करोड़ लोग हैं तेईस करोड़ लोग हैं जितने भी हैं तो उधर वृद्ध लोग ज्यादा है पॉइंट ये मगर यूपी फैला भी तो हुआ है ना बॉम्बे में डेंसिटी ऑफ पॉपुलेशन इन कंपेरिजन टू यूपी देखो बॉम्बे में मच मोर है तो बॉम्बे में टोटल अनकाउंटेड डेथ्स मैंने बीएमसी के रिकॉर्ड देखे थे उस टाइम पे मैंने एक्सट्रापोलेशन करके दिखाया था कि मेरे हिसाब से टू से ज्यादा डेथ्स हो नहीं सकती है मगर ट्राई एंड एक्सप्लेन दिस टू मी हाउ द हेल कैन राइट समन राइट एन अकेडमिक पेपर and pull a number of 60x out of their ass no so so i think the methodology is also a problem in those papers right the survey that they're looking at is a survey that is not done to count the number of people who have died in a in homes okay so so if you look at it it's only um, so they survey say x number of houses and then they generalize it to the total population and it's a very general survey they'll come and they are they'll ask you things like your you know it's like a demographic survey right so they'll ask you what people in your house do how many people are there you know um, have any has anybody died you know and in that list of questions they might ask you has anybody died recently and then then these people will just assume that if anybody has died recently then they would have died of covid you know and they will generalize it to the total population so the methodology itself of these papers is a problem so there is no ground on which this data stands yeah i i get it i i understand where you're coming from but so what what they do is uh so i'll give you so let me give play the devil's advocate here so somebody will come and tell you look this is the gujarat uh newspaper data saying ye mar gaye 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 yeah municipality ye batati hai आपका नंबर ये बताता है आप झूठ बोल रहे हो एक्चुअल में ट्वेंटी ganga right so it's a certain uh, belief that they wanted to instill in the minds of people now is there a way to know that those people who were buried on the banks of ganga those deaths were not registered are you sure that those deaths were not registered they could have been registered deaths maybe their families buried them there and went and registered those deaths there's no way to say that those people and those deaths are not registered in fact as i've explained in the book as well because of the economics of our cremations it costs anywhere from 3 and a half to 5000 rupees to cremate a hindu person okay now in fact those burials reduced significantly when those governments uh, when those state governments you know took out funds from the namami gange project and started giving 5000 rupees for each death in the family during covid times then uh, you know those burials on the banks reduced significantly and i think um chief minister yogi adityanath also you know began that patrolling and he began you know building crematoriums along the banks and all of that so all of that also helped so it was an economic thing it doesn't mean that those deaths were not registered also you know one thing that i always found fascinating about the whole death figure issue is that i don't think people realize that 
covid deaths were given a certain in- price because uh, yeah. um, you know if you die unfortunately of covid and if you are in a certain financial strata of society the government was giving you money so in my mind a country like india which is socialist to the core whether we like it or not uh, you know in fact the uh, on to the contrary instead of undercounting overcounting is kind of uh, incentivized in a weird way yeah. so and this is my uh, with a little l- less confidence prediction that you will suddenly start seeing uh, covid death numbers <laughs> being declared by the end of 2022 23 uh, very smartly and sneakily yeah. by many political parties in different states yeah. of india yeah. so get ready for a lot of fun in 2023 when mm-hmm. the covid bhoot and the fear mongering will be gone and suddenly a lot of political parties will be there will be a new new thing in town where suddenly covid death figures will be given and they will start realizing but i still feel if you look at the accurate version i think 2 to 2.5x yeah. um um is the most sensible and safest uh, bet but uh, you know uh, 60x was just i was here like, hey, ridiculous yes yeah <laughs> So I I just want to take this question now from the live viewer instead of taking it later on. <laughs> this is just a funny question. So and someone has asked this in a very serious way but I just find it funny. So someone has asked do these foreign journalists do some groundwork or research before publishing their report or is just hearsay and personal opinions? <laughs> okay so I'm going to answer this and I'm going to answer this with uh, examples and data, okay? Please. So so the Straits Times which is from Singapore they published a paper first um an article first that said that indians are burning dead bodies on the streets um you and i live in india and i'm sure this this individual who's asking this question also lives in india have we seen bodies being burnt outside your house or on the street i haven't have you no i don't think so right so but the straits times published it then the washington post picked it up and published it as a front page story that indians are burning dead bodies on the streets you know where they got this from why they why they proceeded to say this because the chief minister of uh, chief minister of karnataka the week before had announced that since they don't want crowding at the crematoriums they will allow bodies to be cremated in large open grounds that is what he had said and they took that sentence and they made it into a story like this isn't it a very clear bias so i mean these things need to yeah. be refuted you know with with data with with real life examples and um you know this is just one out of the many many you know papers that came out that were just not based on evidence or facts or ground reality but then here's what bugs me right um why is there no accountability who as in where in the media or where yaar abhi you know one thing I, that i really admired about your book was that you actually did the hard yards and you gave all the citations isne yaha ye bola isne yaha ye bola usne yaha ye bola but the point is again you had to write a book for it i'm actually blaming all of us i'm not blaming you you're the only one who wrote the damn book yeah. but i think i'm to be blamed too like 
ओके मैंने डेथ का नैरेटिव के ऊपर मैंने मैंने ऐसे लिख दिया पॉइंट इज लाइक द अमाउंट ऑफ नॉनसेंस दीज पीपल फेडल इट्स जस्ट फ्रिकिन नॉन स्टॉप लाइक हाउ मेनी टाइम्स डू आई रिबॉर्ट दीज फ्रीक्स I mean, I don't know what to do. After a while, you know, like, "Hey, I'm tired." Huh? This kind of thing. How do I answer but these some, people? And there are some some international media houses, like like Washington Post is an example, right? The New York Times is an example. BBC is an example. They hire people who have had um, generations of anti-establishment narratives, and not just subtly anti-establishment. They will do anything. they will swing their narrative in any way to make it sound anti establishment you know so like you know this is what we st- started out our conversation with ki itne saalon mein they've been working for the bbc or washington post or new york times and they've been writing pieces itne saalon mein they cannot see anything nice or anything noteworthy um which they might find valuable to mention in an international forum they constantly hate hate ियन and we don't like, do that right our media yeah. houses don't do that um you know about their situation so we don't if there is a you know unfortunate situation going on in the us or the uk or some of these other countries we don't you know get anti establishment writers and authors and you know people debaters here and ask them to constantly write about an unfortunate situation and you know pedal more lies and more hate we don't do that right so on a lighter I, note we just call mr macadams and refuse to acknowledge who he is <laughs> <laughs> that was really funny <laughs> i was really funny when he said excuse me host mr host why are you shouting at me <laughs> yeah so so okay now let's talk about two more issues before i take a few questions too now the most sensitive issue and i think here i i actually did uh, a discussion about this uh, too um let's talk about the oxygen crisis i yeah. and look mm, i don't know how to say this but it was a tough time the second wave was. was a tough time i, I don't was. know one person who did not lose a near and yeah. dear one in their extended family yeah. it was traumatic to say the least i lost people due to covid and i don't know how else to say it but and these are my words not yours so before somebody attributes it to you these are my words i did feel the center did mess up in some way or the other but still the way it was spun was not fair the way yeah. it was spun as if the states had nothing to do with anything but here's my devil's advocate to you now the problem is the way this government functions whether we like it or not uh, again this is my view as an outsider looking at looking at how the government and i'm very open i'm a bjp voter people know 
like i don't hide my voting patterns i am very open about my voting patterns i believe if you come on my podcast um you should know my voting preferences that's just the way i am but i and and it's not a crime to vote for bjp but still you know what has happened is that when you make a political campaign where everything is about one man whether we like it or not it is about mr modi and i and i like mr modi by the way then when you have a problem where things go wrong it's always going to fall on mr modi then too which is the way it it it, it did happen in the case of the you know the oxygen crisis too so so if i was to ask you in that sense what would you make uh of the oxygen crisis okay so one the first and foremost point that i want to make is that when the virus mutates okay we don't know the effect that it's really going to have on the population until it's already out there spreading in the population okay so this time the delta needed an unreasonable amount of oxygen that that india never never in its history have we produced this much medical use oxygen okay so we were really caught off guard in a sense and we probably any country will uh, again if there's some other requirement that comes up similar to you know how oxygen was needed during the delta okay so we had to scale up our oxygen production very very quickly in a very short period of time and obviously you know we did struggle for a few weeks a few weeks were difficult but we very very quickly came out of that situation that's my point number 1 my second point is that some governments which hoarded oxygen now we know that the delhi government hoarded about four or five times more oxygen that they required because they didn't have, have accountability of how much was going to the refillers and how much was going to uh, the hospitals and how much was going to the nursing homes so had these states not hoarded this much extra oxygen that oxygen would have been available for people demanding it in other states so you know i mean there yes there was a crisis but my question stays would have there been this much of a crisis if there was better oxygen management in some of these states that were hoarding the oxygen yeah do you remember when the supreme court ordered and ordered the moment the supreme court ordered and ordered suddenly the delhi government said the oxygen crisis is over <laughs> yeah no and um Um, you know and he came out and he also said that meri isme kya galti thi maine apne 2 crore logon ke bare mein socha to matlab aapke logo ki jaane zyada kimti hai baaki ke logo ke compared to ye ye matlab abhi to you know kejriwal ji has aspirations to be a national leader to matlab people in bihar their lives are uh, dispensable and people in delhi and punjab their lives are very expensive let's hold Uh, the oxygen and let other people in other states die what kind of politics is this what kind of responsible po- politics is this yeah i agree with you one more thing and uh, then we'll start taking a few other questions from the audience as well yeah again mm, the whole role that was played behind the doors if you could give everyone uh, obviously to get the whole detail they'll have to read your book but i think this is 
this is something that does need mention the role of the government when it came to the came to the development of the vaccine can can we talk a little bit about that mm. yeah yeah so contrary to the belief that we woke up very late and we didn't place orders and remember you remember that entire narrative that we didn't place orders and that's why we have vaccine shortage and all of that contrary to that the prime minister started working on vaccine development along with manufacturers along with the team of scientists along with the vaccine task force that we had established in march 2020 in april in the first week of april he held his first meeting about what the progress on the vaccine front was and it only progressed from there all doors were open we were open to speak to foreign manufacturers we were open and we were more inclined to encourage manufacturing in india the prime minister especially right from the beginning was very you know was very very um, head on about manu- you know manufacturing our own vaccines and becoming um self reliant in vaccine manufacturing because maybe he foresaw um some of this vaccine nationalism that was going on and maybe also you know could probably see the kind of bullying that would go on you know for for a limited amount of vaccine doses and considering the amount of our people we are 1.4 billion people almost you know so imagine the kind of doses we needed so he foresaw that very very early in april 2020 work on it began we spoke so bharat biotech i you know um, the icmr isolated the state uh, strain very quickly and bharat biotech already you know showed proof of concept very very quickly simultaneously with sii as well the the government of india was constantly speaking to them that do you need any money we are happy to give you money do you need any other help from us any you know as long as you have proof of concept if you as long as you have your processes in place we will help you with there will be no red tape there will be regulatory approvals that will be given in time because this matter is utmost priority for our country and which is why in november 2020 sii was given a big chunk of money with which mr punawala was able to purchase raw material and machines at a premium that were meant for other manufacturers outside of india but he was able to purchase them at a premium to scale up manufacturing of vaccines that were then used for us now this kind of risk funding the government of india has never done before never ever this is the first time in history that the government of india has risk funded private private companies in national good okay so obviously the scale at which the scale of the um, monies that we provide is obviously lesser than what a what an america will provide to moderna or a pfizer under operation warp speed or what the uk will in, you know will risk fund we, you know we are still um, you know we are not not as much as a wealthy nation as as them as you know you know so our scale of risk funding was lesser so we waited for proof of concept we waited for emergency approval of the vaccines to come in after which we went all out and provided even more money to these companies to quickly scale up so when you see that there was a little bit of a shortage the government of india knew that there were going to, you know that we were going to have limited stock in the first 6 months of 2021 after which we were going to have more than enough for our entire population which is why they you know they went to the supreme court and you know they they had set they set this very ambitious target of vaccinating all adults by the end of 2021 which people you know mocked at them i remember so many people in the media mocking them that at this rate it's going to take 12 years to vaccinate all adults 10 years to vaccinate all adults 
so on and so forth. But we achieved it. Look at our coverage now. Our coverage, our vaccine coverage is better than all countries in the world who are transparent about their data. So it's a it's it's a commendable feat, and I think they've really managed to secure the country in this war. Yeah, not only that, I think when it comes to this whole thing, I, mean, I don't know why people tend to forget that even from a vaccine efficacy point of view, do you remember the kind of a rubbish campaign that was run against Bharat Biotech? I think Bharat Biotech should sue all those people for defamation, to be very honest. Not just Bharat Biotech, even against Serum Institute. Anand Sharma, the member of parliament, uh, he said, um, I think in the first week of January, immediately after the emergency use authorization was given that the government of India, he's, he recommended to the media and he said the government of India should ask the United Kingdom for data on AstraZeneca. Um, why? I mean, why would India need to ask anything of the United Kingdom when we had our own bridge trials that went on, which showed very, very good efficacy data? There was no reason that India needed to go to the UK to ask anything of them. Um, you know, we had our processes in place here and Serum Institute of India met all of those processes and came out with flying colors. So there was a campaign to discredit both of our vaccines, not just one, both of our vaccines that were given emergency authorization. There was a full-fledged campaign to discredit both of them. And do you don't see, like you see, you don't see the media ecosystem of the opposition, uh, you know, even saying that, you know, the Serum Institute of India vaccine is a made in India vaccine. They very rarely say, they call it the AstraZeneca vaccine because they don't want people to even think about the fact that it is a made in India vaccine. Yeah, I don't know what the issue is. I remember even Samajwadi party doing this absurd <laughs> that this Modi ki vaccine is so okay let's let's start with the uh, viewers questions and i'll first take the latest one which is actually um about the vaccine because we're just discussing it so someone has asked sure. how much pressure in your assessment was there from the pfizer moderna lobby i mean quite a bit they were playing very hard to get until the time we had our own vaccines do you remember how when it came to our vaccines also they stopped giving us crucial apis to import yeah. you remember that yeah 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 so there were i mean obviously there was pressure but i think it significantly eased once we were able to prove self-reliance mm -hmm. yeah i remember that all right let's start with this question so someone has asked what is priyam's opinion about the level of protection medical and physical provided to doctors and frontline staff and were they adequately compensated what did what what did you come across in your research for the book See, I think that the frontline staff went over and above their duty to protect us. Several people, including IAS officers, lost them lost their lives to COVID on you know in the line of duty. Um, there was no shortage of PPE kits, masks, um, etc. But like Dr. Devi Shetty said, that we could have you know we were on the brink of running out of doctors, you know so. I mean, they were God, they were everything. They really worked night and day and more to save us all. Um, so any amount of compensation that we provide is, I don't know, it's going to be less, you know? Yeah, I think uh, we have to understand that at a point of time where there was 
especially during the first wave when uh, there was even shortage of PPE kits and masks, if you remember. And those were tough times. And a lot of times, I mean, the, I don't know, it's just, it's a terrible, terrible time at that. Uh, we have to say that the textile industry and the textile minister at that time, if I remember, it was Srimati Smriti Rani. Uh, yeah. I think Smriti ji really turned it around and, you know, we we really got our PPE kit uh, production on track. That was something I have to say, you know, credit to the government. Yes. One more question, Priya. Yeah. So somebody has asked, so when it comes to the international media, who really controls it? I mean, how how does one go on peddling rubbish after rubbish is there a pattern to this can have you did you find a pattern in all of this and then one person has asked a very funny question they said was there any positive news about india's covert handling in the international media no there wasn't it's very unfortunate but no there wasn't and um you see even from from the big things like how delta and migrants issues and all of that were managed to um, to even you know to even other things like for instance um, our vaccines like we bought our vaccine from Serum Institute at about two fifty rupees per dose. A lot of these countries were handing out um, the grocery stores were selling ginger turmeric cold press shots for a price higher than what we bought our vaccine doses at, you know. And despite that, despite that fad of ginger turmeric shots and all of that, nobody gives credit to our ancient medicine, to our ancient science. You know, our own media mocks it. Um, so it's very unfortunate, you know, so that that the through it, you know, from our vaccines to the way we handle COVID to our ancient science and ancient me medicine, it all, you know, they all assume this mocking sort of a tone, which is very, very, you know, disturbing. I mean, True. now there's positive so, news because there is undeniable data on the success of our vaccination drive. I mean, they don't have a choice but to write it because we've shown it and we've proven it, you know, but, but I... You know, but don't be surprised if we are in an iffy situation again. And uh, once again, there is a whole coordinated lobby that goes all out to uh, discredit the country. Fair enough. I, I would agree that. All right, Priyam. So before we wrap it up, uh, maybe one last question to you is, okay, in two parts. So, so what? Uh, so now that the book is out and everything is done, what was the one lasting sentiment that you had about India's whole narrative and the way we handled it and then what's next i am so proud to be part of this country um we you know our human to human connection is is unmatchable is unmatched um anywhere else so you see some of these other wealthier countries as well um you, you know people you know they would be finding it so hard to breathe they would be like you know, fully like the oxygen levels will be low, weakness, you know, etc., etc. All the COVID symptoms, they'd still have to stand in line to get tested for hours sometimes in the middle of a wave. When in India, you know, testing, follow up from our primary care, you know, doctors and practitioners was almost a given. You know, we take these things for granted, Kushal, but it's really, you know, what makes us. Uh, special and what separates us, this human to human, you know, uh, close society that we live in, 
which is very very different from any other you know any other countries and i think that is what makes us um, that is our strength awesome so what what's next for you then what well, uh, what's next another book coming up now <laughs> not yet but uh, definitely a web series on this nice nice i i'm looking forward to that so yeah. priyam i guess we'll wrap today's discussion up uh, once again thanks a lot for coming on the podcast it was a pleasure chatting with you Likewise. and hopefully this will lead to many more conversations in the future absolutely looking forward thank you for having me once again all right guys we'll wrap today's uh, discussion over here but before we wrap it up i would like to remind all of you if you are watching this on youtube or listening to it on spotify itunes google podcast whatever when you go to the description of the podcast there will be a link to buy priyam's book i would urge all of you to buy the book uh, there's a kindle version and a hard copy both are available so please go and check it out and i've also left priyam's twitter handle in the description so you can go and follow her on twitter too uh, as far as i go please uh, as always i try my best to cover so many books and have so many interesting discussions so please support the podcast you can subscribe to the charvak podcast you can like the video you can leave your comments you can also support the podcast monetarily by either becoming a member on youtube or a supporter on patreon or buy the charvak podcast merch as i'm wearing one right now or you can send your donations through upi i will see you guys next time until then take care good bye thank you